Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you tonight for these awesome testimonies. Father, thank you for the opportunity to go and be a part of the work that you're doing upon the earth, raising up a generation of men who love you above all things, uh, that nothing would be an excuse to go out to battle in these opportunities to bring back plunder, eternal riches, encouragement, and strength, Lord, so that we can rise up to the occasion and to the expectation you have for us to be leaders and to be champions and to be worthy examples to be followed. I give you thanks for the men that went on this trip. I give you thanks for the men that were not able to go. I give you thanks for the families entrusted to this house and that we would always receive that spirit of excellence that causes us to rise above the challenge and overcome the adversity, oh God. And, and Lord, deal with the opposition. We pray that you could put a more excellent spirit in us so that our thoughts, words, and actions are pleasing to you in every moment of our lives. And that we not be a people with excuses and a spirit of mediocrity, Lord, but of excellence and up to the challenge to live a legacy and footprints for our children in the coming generation, to love God above all things and to love one another like we love ourselves. Bless your word tonight, O oh God, and allow us to receive uh, the goodness of your word that strengthens us and is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path and an understanding to our worship, Lord. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I, we started out on Sunday talking about sacrifices, and, and, and we talked about this sacrifice to go all the way to Texas. And, and, you know, when we were talking about the United States and making it sacrificial to sit in a luxury charter bus for 20 hours, that's super lame. But it is a challenge nonetheless. Because other people in other parts of the world are riding bicycles and riding mules and, and walking three, four days to be able to attend to these conferences. So uh, uh, it's really powerful that, that we understand that our worship needs to carry the element of sacrifice. And if our worship does not have the aspect of sacrifice, it's not true worship. And the Bible says in John chapter 4, when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, I think it's verse 9, um, that he says, my father is seeking those that will be genuine, true worshipers. Uh, let's go to verse 10, 11, 12. She gets in all this discussion with Jesus Christ uh, as to why he's talking to her, why he's not talking to her. And all of a sudden it culminates in this verse where Jesus tells her, woman, uh, enough with the discussion because you could get into the details of of the aspects of what we're discussing but um, verse 23 he says after this great religious discussion he says the hour is coming when true worshipers genuine people who are transacting with God will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such to worship him you guys both know, I know, you know, that uh, you don't go to Burger King to sit down. You go to Burger King to eat. You don't go to work to be lazy. You go to work. Well, the same thing has to do with church and the body of Christ. We're here to worship God. And we should be expert worshipers. If he's seeking worshipers, we should be giving him worship. And so the Hebrew aspect of worship includes sacrifice. 
There is no worship without sacrifice. In fact, it, it, all throughout the Bible, you'll see that they came. The coming part is part of the Hebrew uh, worship, showing up, but then offering something to the Lord. And you can't just offer anything. You have to, it's commensurate to your heart. Uh, the widow that went to the uh, offering box and she put everything she had. Jesus was watching and says she sacrificed more than everybody else. But she only gave uh, what was um, about two pennies. It was, it, was, it was nothing. But Jesus says she gave all she had. She gave way more than everybody else. Because everybody else offered from leftovers. And you know what that's like when you're, when you're eating a meal and you don't want any more. You're willing to give it to somebody. Whatever's left. That's, that's what they were giving God. They, he, he was blessing them and they would eat it all. And when they were full, they said, oh, I can't have no more. You could have the rest. That's leftovers. She was given the whole meal to the Lord. She, she hadn't eaten yet. And that's what God weighs. And so our worship, um, the Bible calls sacrifice. And in modern worship in Christianity, since this sacrifice is so big, people point to what Jesus did and says, I don't need a sacrifice. There it is. The sacrifice is Jesus. And so I'm coming under his shadow and umbrella. And it's true. It's a great big sacrifice. But then you read the Bible in Hebrews chapter, uh, I believe it's 13 verse 15. Um, he, the writer of Hebrews says that, that we're to continually, we're to continually do that which is good. Therefore, let us come continually offering the sacrifice of praise to God. So there is an element in our worship that needs to sacrifice. Now, lifting up the hands is a sacrifice that God is pleased with. So during the song service, people are not just wanting to ask a question. They're not being religious. They're lifting up hands because God is looking down in the congregation, noticing, the. oh, I'm so tired. I remember I got to church when I was 16 years old, and I, I was so passionate about God and seeing him heal my parents' marriage and healing my heart and my bitterness and resentment that I would come before the altar of God and raise my hands. And I was like, man, this has been an hour already. This is the whole praise service. This has been an hour now, and my hands are grueling. But guess what? I remember being in basketball practice that afternoon, and for a stupid ball and for a stupid coach and a stupid team, I wouldn't let my hands down because the, the coach would throw the ball to our head. He, he wouldn't let us stop playing defense. So here I am before the altar of God, the guy who has fixed our marriage, fixed our home, and I'm like, want to put my hands down, but I said, Lord, for you, I'll hold them up as long as it takes. I want to be able to show you that this is not just something easy for me, but I want to, I want to, it's a sign of surrender. When somebody is a thief, they hide their hands behind their back or in their pockets so the police will come up, hands up, hands up, because this is a sign of I'm not holding anything back from you. I'm surrendering. I'm, I want to be transparent with you. That's why when I first got saved, I was like, I had my hands down here. I was like, oh, hallelujah. I didn't want anybody to see that I was, I was raising my hands, how embarrassing these people raising their hands. And, and then I worked my way up. Oh, Lord, I, I'm halfway surrendered, but not really, but I want to. And then, and then, Lord, you are my king. You're my God. You're my savior. I owe you everything. And so the maturity and worship there, here in Hebrews, for those people that thought there was no sacrifice in the New Testament, there is sacrifice. And the sacrifices of God that we continually offer. It's not one time. 
Therefore, by him, through him, uh, by his example, let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God. Let's come and bring something to God. God, this whole week, uh, you know, to be able to tell God what he did during the week, that's a sacrifice of praise. Lord, I remember you got me a good business deal. I remember there's peace in my home. I can't, I can't sleep in my bed at night. You know, if we don't have a mattress, just like the young men said, there's a rock in your back. So every night I'm saying, who am I that I might have a mattress, that I might have a place of comfortableness to lay down? So these sacrifices of praise, which are the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God. So the Bible says that David would offer sacrifices seven times a day. How about you? Do you take out seven times during the day to give thanks to God for what he's done, what he's doing, or what he's going to do? That's when it gets really good. When you're saying, Lord, I know you're going to show up. And you're giving thanks to him. So that's one aspect of praise. But verse 16 says, not only la blah, 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 your lips are moving and your mouth is speaking. But do not forget to do good. The acts are sacrifices to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I want you to underline sacrifices. Because all these things are being offered up to God because you want to show God your affection, your appreciation. The Hebrew concept of worship is not only that you show up, but that you have something to transfer over. The affection, the the, what's in your heart, the expression of gratefulness. And so we'll see it throughout the Bible in 1 Peter 2.5. Here again, the New Testament says you are lively stones. It's no longer in the old days it, they would put stones in place to worship God. You are the stones. We've made a place of worship here with each one of the living stones that, that are speaking here. Every, every single one of you is a part of the altar of God. Are being built up a spiritual house. This place will be a place where people will hear the greatness and the goodness, not of Joaquin, not of Spring of Life, of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The, uh, it says you're being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. We're learning how to offer to God through our priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God that are acceptable to God. There's two types of, 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 of sacrifice, the ones that are not acceptable and the ones that are. And you can feel the difference. When somebody's given to God something uh, very pleasing to him, the fire of heaven comes down. I'm reminded of Elijah. He puts a sacrifice there. He, he builds an altar and he, he, he pours water on the sacrifice. He wants to show these people it's not going to be the sun that will spark this uh, miraculously but the fire from heaven will fall whenever there's sacrifice God shows up in a powerful way we saw it this weekend with the men who went to the retreat they went and sacrificed when they come back the provision of heaven is gloriously um, poured out bountifully and and that is the 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 scenario that we see here um, Hosea chapter 14 verse 2 we see a concept here that says that depending on what's coming out of your mouth, it will be like the aroma of sacrificial bulls. Look what it says. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, Lord, I want to come clean. Receive us graciously, for we will offer sacrifices of our lips. 
We will be offering these sacrifices of our lips. And the Bible says they will be like sacrificial bulls, like the offerings put on the altar. Um, I want to give another example of this because a lot of people think that, that God wants to see us miserably in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 5. And part of the spiritual worship of sacrifice is God wants to see joy in your heart. A lot of the things that we're asking God to do in our lives is so um, we, we think that we're bringing Him pleasure. But the, the happiest time that God uh, inhabits reality is when he sees joy in your heart gratefulness when you have an attitude of contentment uh, the other stuff is toxic and God doesn't like this and then he instructs his people therefore you shall build an altar to the Lord your God an altar of stones you shall not use instruments of tools on them verse 6 Upon this altar that you build with whole stones, the altar of God, uh, the Lord your God, and burned offerings on it to the Lord your God. Verse 7. As you put your, your sacrifice on the altar, as you bring it to the place of worship, you shall offer these peace offerings. You shall eat and rejoice before the Lord your God. God wants to see the aspect of joy in your worship. Those people that come, oh my God, here we have to go again, all the way to church. And we have to show. And listen, God doesn't want your worship to be full of misery. God wants it to be full of joy, of enthusiasm. Um, here, the thoughts that are thought about when you're worshiping is Psalm 116, verse 12. If I put everything God has given us on one side... What would be the reflection of what I have to give him on the other? What shall I render, render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? What, what can I carry over to God based on everything I've received from God? You know what an atheist does? He says God doesn't exist. And so that wipes away with his obligation to go worship. Because if God has given me breath of life, if he's given me a wife, if he's given me a husband, if he's given me a family, if he gives me work, if he dresses me, he finds, I have a lot that I have to say, okay, from what I've received in his benefits, mm, what, what, how will I transfer over appreciation and gratefulness and bow down on my knees and face and say, Lord, I'm not worthy. You have been way too good for me. This is worship. This is transferring to God the worth of the benefits He's conferred. Now, if you're criticizing and complaining all the time, you're like, oh God, you gave me a husband. Uh, you gave me a wife. Uh, you gave me children. They're all my, oh, this horrible mortgage and house I have to pay. This stupid car. Listen, there's no worship. It's, it's a dirty, toxic heart. And some of us will play games with that. But the truth of the matter is, whatever the expression of our heart is, that's what's coming up before God. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says like this, that this is, we walk in this love as Christ loved us and gave. He surrendered, offering a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. You guys tell me what type of aroma it is where there is no acknowledgement where we're not rendering to God the benefits we've received, where we haven't weighed all the blessings of the Lord. David says, if I were to count them, there's not enough numbers. 
that I could count your blessings. That's why when David was prepared to sacrifice, he's, a, he's a, uh, ready for this? Here it goes, ready? 2,000 bulls. 2,000 bulls. And some people didn't even want to give one bull. And other people didn't want to give their due to uh, God in that regard. It's a sweet smelling sacrifice. The aroma, what's, it's what's coming before God? Is there a stench coming from your house? From the hearts of your children? Uh, our kids, uh, we talk about them all the time because being ministry uh, preachers, f- kids, they've had to practically live in church. The first ones to come, the last ones to go, all the way until they got their driver's license at 16, 17. And still, some of them didn't go home until, but, you know, I would tell them, I said, do you guys know what God has done for us? Do you realize what the goodness of God is in our family? We, we have no choice but to bow down and make sure that our life is sweet smelling, aroma, a sacrifice to God. You guys know the difference. Between the toilet seat and a barbecue, you guys know what it smells like. You're either a stench or you're a sweet-smelling aroma, the attitude of your heart expressed to God. No stinginess. Uh, you know, the laying down of my law practice, I didn't know how to read or write. And some people says, yes, you did because you went to school. Listen to me. To read or write as an attorney, to be able to charge $10,000 for a contract, you better know how to read and write if you're charging people $10,000 for a contract. But I didn't have that capacity until Jesus Christ and God gave me wisdom and gave me goodness. So now I can't own that as my own. I know that the person who gave it to me, the day he asked for me back, I have to give it to him. It doesn't belong to me. It was given to me. So when he asked for it back, there was no issue. It's his. And so uh, he had greater plans down the road. And the same thing we see there when we were reading on Sunday, um, King David got very popular. You, from time to time, we, we tend to get popular when we love God. And what happens next? The next thing that happens is he has the opportunity to uh, befriend a man. And this man says, King David, you're so awesome. You're so merciful to me. I am going to give you the provisions of $1 million worth of bulls. You want to sacrifice to your God? I own the... I own the the, 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 I own the, the cattle. You don't have to, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to pay for this. You could give to God a million dollars of the bulls I'm going to give you. And, and he said these words, he says, you know something? You might have a cheap God, but I don't. You might not want to surrender, uh, sacrifice to your God. He might not be worthy, but my God is. And so here in this passage in 2 Samuel, I believe it was uh, 22 we were reading. Second Samuel 24, 24. 2 Samuel 24, 24. David says, the king said to Aronel, no, but I will surely buy them from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings and sacrifices to my God, which cost me nothing. I'm not going to be cheap about my relationship with God. I'm going to confer upon God the sacrifices worthy to his name. I'm going to honor him like nothing else I honor. Nothing has supreme worth to me than my God. And you could give me a million dollars that I can, I receive them. I say, I can win. I'm going to go and put it at the place where I worship my God. And guess what? You have given nothing because it costs you nothing. 
And the heart of David was, no, since he's my God, since I could call upon him, I'll call upon the name of the Lord, and he shows up, I'm going to offer a sacrifice worthy of that which I will render to God. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. He was transforming his wealth so he could go worship God. And so we need to also come to terms with this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And here Paul says it in the New Testament. He says, I beg you, Christian, you who call yourself a brother, I beg you therefore, brother, by all the mercies of God upon your life. Start counting the mercy. The mercy. He doesn't say the mercy. He says the mercies. Everything that God has done. Everything that God is continually doing. Everything you're expecting God. Because of everything, the cross of Christ, the death of His Son, because of the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Lord, I belong to you. From the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, every thought, every muscle, every possibility, I'm yours. A living sacrifice that you present yourself. You remember what we said worship is not only presenting yourself, but then transforming. And he says, my body is all yours. I want to do it in a manner that is acceptable which is my reasonable service. What he puts at the end is, listen, it's obvious. This is the rational. The, the, the Greeks would use that word like saying, it, it's the only sensible thing you can do. Since God has given you everything, you present yourself and say, you owe me. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? When do you want me to do it? Where do you want me to do it? What is your plan for my life? I've been purchased by a price, not just any little thing. And so these pleasing uh, sacrifices, if we see in Genesis 8.20, after Noah landed, you guys know the story of Noah's flood. After he landed, the Bible said he built an altar to the Lord. This is, this is very, um, very, uh, very important that you understand that the people that understand this concept knew that wherever their sacrifice was, that's where the bounty of the Lord showed up. If there was no sacrifice, God didn't show up. So the first thing these men would do is build an altar. Uh, we're reading 8 verse 22. Verse 20, I'm sorry. Genesis 8, 20. Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird. He wasn't, he wasn't shoving over. You guys saw the uh, BP petroleum, the birds full with tar. You imagine being in that ark, dirty, disgusting. He says, no, I'm going to give the best to the Lord. And he brought them to the, and he offered them as a burnt offering on the altar. How many, how many could tell what's going to happen in verse 21? This man is separating the best to put before God on the altar. Verse 21 says, and the Lord smelled that aroma that arose. That your sacrifice is not without acknowledgement of God. He sees the widow's might and he sees your heart. And he sees you, um, uh, you know, coming to church and saying, oh, I think uh, I'll give a dollar. I, I think I'll tip the Lord. It's sad, but um, here Noah says, a smelling, soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never curse the ground again. Although the imagination of his heart is evil from his youth, nor will I destroy every living thing as I have done before. Something that moves the heart of God. Something that gets him to move in a supernatural manner. We haven't been taught that, people. We have not been taught to sacrifice. In uh, the book of Amos chapter 5, verse 21, they, they were just bringing anything. They were just bringing anything. 
And, and the Lord says, I despise when you gather to celebrate me, says the Lord. When it's my birthday, when it's my holiday, when, when it's the acknowledgement day of the Lord, I, I despise how you celebrate. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. There's, there's no sweet smelling stuff coming up. You guys get here late, you forget, you have other issues, you have other ordeals, you, you bicker, you fight. It's not like um, people when they go to Walt Disney, everybody puts on a smile and everything. Let's go see the Mickey, let's go see the rat, let's go see. And, and then when you're coming to see the King of Kings, you come arguing, you're upset, your faces are twisted. When is this going to finish? I got to leave. And God is saying, they, they like Mickey Mouse, let Mickey Mouse feed them. They like Donald Duck, let Donald Duck come and take them out of the water when they're drowning. God doesn't understand that. So I despise your feast, and I do not smell your sacred assemblies when you guys come together to do things before me. Verse 22, he says, I hate and despise, though you offer me sacrifice and you bring grain, I will not accept it. I'm not going to regard the fattened peace. You're bringing stuff over to try to get my attention, to try and get my favor, but the way you do so is so lame, I don't enjoy it. I don't feel it's coming across with an, the intent of a genuine heart. It's not pure. It's not intentional. Verse 23. Take away from me the noise of your songs. When you're singing, now I'm terrified with my worship team and they know it. Because I know that when David sat there with the harp, the demons would flee. And I believe when the worship team is truly worshiping, we'll see the glory of God. But when they're late, when they're bringing leftovers, when they're bringing stale, uh, three days leftover food, that, that's not excellent. We've seen the power of God when there's that sweet-smelling aroma, when the whole congregation is offering to God not noise but songs. I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. I'm not going to sit there and be a part of this hypocrisy. I, I'm not enjoying it, the Lord says. We see in Genesis 22, verse 16, when Abraham is going to offer the best he has. How many know what, what Abraham offered? His son. Bring me your son. That's serious. He's going to put his son on the altar and say, God, I know that you're so awesome. I'm willing to lay down my son. And there he says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, verse 17, because there's sacrifice, because it's genuine, because it's the best, I will bless you with the blessing and multiply you and your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sands of the seas. And your descendants will never be overcome by their enemies. There will be no problem that will overcome your family when a father brings excellent worship to the house of God. When a father is dedicated to offering God the first uh, we, were, we were at the tuna factory with Carlos uh, before we went on our trip, and we were talking about the fact that there's tunas that cost $1,000, but there's tunas that cost $5,000. In, in Japan, the sushi, there's tuna that costs 33000 And it's all a matter of what you're bringing to offer to the Lord. And God knows your heart. And the genuineness, one of the reasons why we don't make an issue about gathering money in this church, because to me it's perverted that I would manipulate you to give God something that's in my heart. It's, it's, it's perverse. How can I say, come on, you give to God. Hey. No, listen, my friend, if you're not giving to God, I feel sorry for you. To me, it's pitiful. It's sad. It's almost like asking you if you're having sex with your wife. It's so personal. It's so intimate. It's based on love. I'm not going to go in there. But I know that you have no intimacy with God. 
Because I know it's been a long time since you've offered your life to your God. I finally kicked it. It's the Kleenex box up here. Listen, it's so personal. Pastor, does so-and-so tithe? Listen, I I don't want to know. That's between him and his God. He has to figure out what God thinks about him not doing so. He has to come to terms with his relationship with the Lord. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, the Lord addresses this in, the, in, in his people. He says, let me ask you something. Is that, really what I'm, is that really what we got going here? If a son is supposed to honor his father and a servant honors his master, if I'm your father God, where's my honor? And he's talking about worship. He's talking about what the people are bringing to present to the Lord. What's the attitude? What's the content? What's the weight? Uh, the word honor is 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 weightiness dishonor is you just blow it off it doesn't have any any influence in your life if i'm your father where's my honor and if i'm your master where's my reverence says the lord of god you priests who despise my name remember we talked about um uh, first peter calling us priests that that offer continual sacrifice to the lord to you priests who in my name yet you say and what have we despised your name lord how did we offend you how did we not regard you verse 7 You offer messed up sacrifices on my altar. You don't bring stuff that smells sweet. You bring stuff that that smells like greedy, stench. You're trying to cheat the Lord. And what have we defiled you? The table of the Lord is contemptible. You say it's not not healthy. It's not not a good thing to move in the direction of worship. Verse 8. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? The people go into their flock and says, this guy lost an eye last week because somebody kicked him in the eyeball. That's what I'm going to present to the Lord. The messed up stuff. The stuff that didn't work out too good. Um, I'm, I'm going to give God leftovers. I'm going to give him the, the messed up stuff. This guy can't see. I'm going to give that little sheep to the Lord. He says, you offer the blind. Isn't that not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, this thing's about to die. I better throw it up there real quick. This, this business deal is going to die. I better throw it up there real quick. But not the healthy. Offer it then to your governor. Go to your boss and give him leftovers. Go to your boss and give him something substandard. That's what he's saying. You, you, you have something precious that God gives you to be able to bring to him and offer to him. And try to offer something substandard. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept it favorably from you, says the Lord? Verse 9. But now entreat God's favor that he might be gracious to us. Come before God legitimately. Genuinely, while this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably? Is there going to be an exchange? What I bring to the Lord, we we read on Sunday in Genesis chapter 4, Cain just brought anything. And he offered it to the Lord. And the Bible says God did not accept his sacrifice. No, Cain. And Cain got sad and he got upset and killed his brother. But it says Abel's sacrifice was acceptable. It was pleasing to God. He did present to the Lord something that was received. And and that's what we have to consider. Verse 10. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? This this verse is powerful. He says, look, what I would prefer you to do is grab a lock, a padlock, and shut my front door. Close the church down because it's pathetic what you're bringing in here to offer to God. Who is it among you that would shut the doors so that there won't even be an altar to sacrifice upon. 
I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands that's sick, that's blind, that's twisted, that's left over. Verse 11. From the rising of the sun, even to the going down, my name shall be great amongst the Gentiles. This whole thing about sacrificing is what happened on the, uh, what was the guy's name? Charlie Rose show, right? He's interviewing Mario, uh, Mariano Rivera. He's retiring from the Yankees. He's saying, man, you could pitch. You're a relief pitcher. You're the most winniest pitcher. You're, do you tithe? It didn't have anything to do with anything. It was out of context. But the reason he went straight to the bullseye, because it shows the genuineness of his Christianity. And what was his response? Of course! You clown! How could I call myself a Christian and not give the best to my God? And then the guy went back. So your curveball is so awesome. He changed the subject again. You got to see that interview on YouTube. Where Charlie Rose, he, it, it bugs the Gentiles, those that see us worship, bring our best to our best God. You know why? Because our God shows up. Amen. Our God shows up. Amen. He's a mighty God. And so we're not, we're not into what people do. Friends of mine that are attorneys, they're like, man, I got to have coverage. I got to have insurance coverage, so I have an umbrella that has an umbrella that has an umbrella, an attachment umbrella, that umbrella's the coverage. And, and he says, how about you? I say, oh boy, I'm covered. From the rising of the sun until it's going down. I'm covered because our God is great and mighty. That's what God is saying. From the rising of the sun, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, the name of the Lord is above everything the Gentiles think they have. In every place. Incense shall be offered to my name, a pure offering, for my name shall be great amongst the nations. You cannot be pay, paying greater credit card bills than you are offering God. If you do, you serve mammon. You're going to the mammon temple. It's called Dayland. You're offering there more than you do your God. You're paying more on your credit cards than you do your God. And God says, my name shall be great. And greatly to be praised. And that's where the rubber meets the road. In Acts chapter 10 verse 1. There's a man named Cornelius. He's not even a Christian. Not even a Christian. But verse 2 says that, that he was praying. Um, they, they describe him as a devout man. One who feared God with all his household. Who gave generously to the people. And prayed to God always. And then it says there in verse 4. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw a vision of an angel. And verse 4, it says, and when he observed him, he was afraid. Cornelius sees the angel, and he says to him, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and your gifts and your sacrifice have come up to God. God has seen and taken notice of your sacrifice and worship. So then he hooks him up hard. Him and his whole family are gathered. Him and his whole family are gathered to receive eternal salvation, the gift of God. Psalm 141.2, uh, real quick, and we finish with this. 141.2, Psalm 141.2, he says like this, My prayer, Lord, is like incense. Let my words be like incense before you, lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. My prayers, let it be Come before God. In, you know, we, we could curse a lot. We could criticize. We could gossip. We could murmur. But God wants to turn all that stuff into praise. 
We could do it continually because we do it bad continually. And let the lifting of my hands in the house of God. Some of you, I want you to do it right now. Please bring both of your hands up and, and do this during the song service. And say, Lord, I'm doing this as a spiritual sacrifice. I, I want to, uh, you know, I, I usually say, okay, with one hand I'm re receiving and with the other hand I'm, le I'm giving. I want to be just, as, as much as I am a, a receiver of your blessing, I want to be a, have a generous hand. I don't want my hand to rot off and fall off because all I am is a gimme, gimme. I got a deal. I got a contract. I got a client. I got favor. I got, listen to me, be known as a giver more than a taker. Make sure that that is the life of your worship to God. And so there it is. Uh, he says, that, let it be like incense that comes before your throne. Psalm 119, 164. This is the verse that says that seven times a day, seven times a day do I praise you because of your righteous judgments. God, you are so awesome. You're so amazing. You're so faithful. I, I really believe that those of you that are, are cowered under fear is because you're not bringing up the praise. Bring, bring up the praise. When the devil wants you to criticize, you say, thank you, Lord. And, and, and take a component of whatever you're criticizing and turn your mourning into dancing. Offer to God praises that are acceptable to him. Instead of saying, boy, I wish my wife were dead, you say, Lord, thank you for that beautiful girl. Thank you for that woman who's a blessing to my life. And so you turn the criticism around so you praise your God. And in that regard, you begin to see the glory of God appear. You, you begin to see prayers answered. You begin to see God's goodness. Psalm 51, 7. This is what God is looking at in sacrificial terms. It's not a theological practice. Some people say, um, how, do, how, how do I do this? And God is saying, listen, it's not about how you do it. I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at the intention of what's going on inside. Um, is it 17? Find me. Find me the verse that says sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. 17. Yeah, 17. The sacrifices of God are a genuine inside. Forget about the outside. A lot of people raise their hands and inside they're like, man, I wish I could cheat on my wife. Or man, I wish I could cheat or I could do something that's not appropriate. But here God is looking at the broken spirit. Because God, you will always transact with a heart that's genuine. With, with a genuine heart, God is always w willing to, uh, to make a deal, to, to, to transact his favor and his goodness. And I, I just want to say this real quick. Um, as we are learning how to do this with, with expertise, as, as we become uh, a marked contrast distinction, uh, if you look back in our fathers, they didn't have an altar. There wasn't a place of worship. They didn't teach us how to transact. So this is first generation for most of us. But I want to tell you, there's nothing that you will offer to God that he will not return a thousand times over you in supernatural provision. And, and there, you know, one of the preacher friends of mine says, you'll never outgive God. That's, that's a great context in that regard. You'll never be able to, to uh, outbeat God in the provisions of the, the pouring out of your life. Let's stand tonight. And, and each one of us has a distinctive provision from God. Each one of us has a distinctive uh, aroma of, of sweet-smelling savor to bring before the Lord. And, and, and so um, they need to teach us how to do that.
They, they need to teach us how to, to be faithful in our uh, offerings, our sacrifices, our giving to the Lord. Um, when David looked around, you know, much of the Mosaic Hebrew law had to do with you're supposed to bring doves if you're poor or sheep if you're middle class or bulls if, you're, if you have abundance. So there's different levels, there are different categories. And David sat around and he looked at this. You imagine you were always hearing um, in God's manner of worship the slaughtering of animals. So it was, it was a loud, rambunctious place. And blood was everywhere. And, and they're bringing, and, and all of a sudden David's looking over the landscape of all this. And he says, Lord, you don't want any of this. These things are not what you asked for. You want to see a heart surrender before you. See, a lot of people say, I'm not going to church. I'm not, I'm not going to go to service. I'm, I'm not going to sing to the Lord. I'm not going to serve at God. And, and so all those things, the truth of the matter is, you could get caught up in those things and not do them with the right heart. And you're just wasting your time. And you're going to get frustrated and you're going to get sick and you're going to get tired and you're going to hate this place. But if you can have a personal relationship with the Lord. If you can, if you can really understand his heart. Um, one, one man, he compared it to his son one day. He went out and he bought his son a bag of Skittles and, and he gave his son, I don't know what comes in, in one of those bags. It's like 150 little pebbles, Skittles. And he gave it to his son and then he said, son, Give me one. He goes, no, they're mine. <laughs> and he said like this, doesn't this little punk know that I could go back over there and buy a bathtub full of Skittles and just drown him in Skittles? <laughs> but he's so stingy that he won't give me one when I was the one that gave him everything. This is how a pastor described it. And I really believe it's true. I believe you know, there's, there's um, lately I've been thinking about there's air forces with, I don't know, 100 planes in an air force. There's helicopters. There's, there's, there's those big boats. Listen to me. It's an endless wealth of God's mercy upon us. But he, he wants to know if you're faithful. Faithful and genuine in your sacrifice and worship. So it's not, a, it's not nitpicking. Some guy said one time, he says, well, this year I was able to give 8% to the Lord. I'm almost there at 10%. Just we can't get to where God wants us to be so we could see the glory of God. We, we just can't. We're struggling. We're, we're striving for peanuts. I always say that, that God fills your hands and you got a bunch of raisins. And he wants to give you orchards of grape vines. He, he has vast riches of wealth. And not monetarily and not possession. It's, it's just a supernatural provision of God in peace and joy, satisfaction, prosperity, fruitfulness, which we'll never know until we begin to be excellent in our worship. <clears throat> Father, thank you tonight for this word. Thank you for the testimonies. What we've shared tonight is world-changing sacrificial bulls because we're still bringing doves. We're still bringing leftovers. We're bringing the weak and the blind, the leftover. We don't have any creativity. We are short in the vast expanse of your goodness towards our life. 
Teach us through your spirit how to worship with authenticity. Teach teach our lives to be able to bring and to transact with you what is authentic and worth your praise, worth your glory. You've already given us the greatest sacrifice that has redeemed us and brought us out of hell into heaven. Through that sacrifice, we've all been forgiven. We've all received eternal salvation. Nothing else needs to be done to get to heaven but what Jesus did. But teach us how to have his heart. Teach us how to have David's heart who says, I refuse to give God the easy, the convenient, that which doesn't cost me, that doesn't commit me, that doesn't compromise, that is not negotiated, that is not manipulated. Teach me how to have authentic worship in your presence. For after such worshipers, the Father is looking for that worship him in spirit and in truth. Lead us in this direction so our children might have a testimony to worship the God of their fathers, to also put him as preeminent and prominent in their lives, weighty, honorable, with excellence, O God, giving God our best because he gave his best for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, amen.